My name is Dr. Amelia Burke-Garcia. Uh, I am a health communicator with about 20 years of experience working on a variety of uh, health-related topics. Um, I am particularly focused on the intersection of social media and digital media and health behavior change, and really passionate about the opportunities that uh, these channels afford us to both um, prompt healthy behaviors, uh, increase awareness, knowledge, um, but also measure those things. So the availability of, of data in different forms and formats um, that can help us understand the impacts of the work that we do um, as health communicators. So tell us about how right now, because that's a campaign that a lot of people over in the in Europe and in the UK, in my part of the world, may not have heard about. It's kind of a recent COVID pandemic related initiative, is it? It is, it is. So uh, How Right Now is a campaign that uh, was conceptualized and, and uh, really initiated in the uh, early days of 2020. So um, in advance of the pandemic officially be being called a pandemic, uh, folks at CDC recognized that um, the way that the virus was progressing um, certain mitigation strategies would need to be used to um, slow the spread. Uh, and there was some real concern that those mitigation strategies, things like social distancing, quarantining, um, uh, not being able to get together, things closing down, that the, all of these could be uh, stressors to people's mental health. Um, and so the need to provide something, we didn't know what would become how right now uh, at the time, but the need to provide something to really provide those supports um, uh, in those early days of the pandemic uh, was was what prompted the work um, that that uh, that was done to eventually create what would become known as How Right Now. Um, it is a national uh, communications campaign. Um, it exists fully in English and fully in Spanish. Um, and it really aims to provide uh, messaging and resources that people can use in their everyday lives um, to cope and to take steps to help support their mental health. Um, it's based in formative research. We did rapid but robust formative research to inform the development of the campaign. Um, it is unique in that it is partnership based. Um, it is through and with partnerships, a hundred percent, uh, partner, national partners, local CBOs. They were all part of the formative process. They helped really inform the development of the campaign. Um, but they also were our primary channel of dissemination. So, how right now is unique in that it uh, does not use um, mass media or a lot of paid media um, to promote its its resources and its um, messaging. Um, it really leverages trusted voices. Um, and then uh, the campaign over over the course of 2020, 2021, and even this year um, has really employed what we call a nimble and responsive approach. So as the pandemic has changed, so has the campaign. Um, we've rolled out new waves of, of messaging and resources as we've seen new issues emerge, as new variants have um, uh, emerged, as different sub-audience groups, as different communities of people have been more affected or less affected. Um, as things have changed, we've really just tried to be responsive to that. And that responsiveness was really driven by this 
um, ongoing data collection that we did. So we engaged with our partners regularly. We looked at social media, public social media conversations over time and how those were shifting. Um, and as we saw, um, as we saw perspectives change or issues kind of emerge or our partners were sort of raising their hands saying, hey, this thing is going to be an issue, we were able to kind of uh, quickly work with them to develop some messaging, new creative, um, and identify some new resources that we could post to the website and push out through them and through other um, some other channels uh, that, that we had access to. So there's probably a mul multiple ways that you could um, experience the campaign. Um, if you are scrolling through Facebook or looking on Twitter uh, or Instagram, um, you might come across one of our messages and our messages fall into a number of categories. Um, we've got a series of coping resources. Um, so we provide uh, messages um, in terms of how to cope, steps that you can take. Um, we provide uh, talk resources. So one of the things that we have found um, throughout, or especially in the early days of the pandemic, when uh, people could not actually go to a provider for some mental health support. A lot of the um, non-essential appointments were canceled uh, for, because of social distancing and quarantining. Um, but also just in general, over the course of the pandemic, informal support, so meaning talking to friends and family as a coping mechanism was heavily utilized and continued to be heavily utilized, even though with telehealth, um, formal support with actually accessing a mental health care provider um, have increased. Uh, those informal supports were have been very important throughout the pandemic for people. But having a mental health having an, a, a conversation about how people are doing can be harder for people um, to have, especially if it might be a family member or somebody that you're close with. Sometimes those are harder conversations to have. So we have our talk resources. So uh, we provide um, resources around how to have um, a, a coping conversation with a loved one that includes prompts for how to start one of those conversations. And we also provide prompts for phrases that are more supportive to use in lieu of phrases that perhaps maybe come across as less supportive. Um, we also have access, uh, our we also provide a series of messaging and resources that are just basic need messaging, right? So one of the fundamental aspects of, of COVID, of course, were the disruption to um job, uh, you know, either employment or underemployment, um, the issues around uh, food security, housing security. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that How Right Now didn't just address mental health in a vacuum. We wanted to make sure that we were addressing people's concerns around those real everyday issues that were worrying to people. So how do I put food on the table? How do I pay next month's rent? How do I pay my bills this month? So we've, uh, we have several resources that link out to job resources, housing resources, um, food bank resources, um, in order to provide those sort of quote unquote basic needs supports in addition to some of those other mental health coping supports. Um, so if you're a average person perusing the internet, um, or even getting if you if you uh you know get emails from various partners that reach um and and um are working in your community you may receive an email or now you might receive some kind of pamphlet or something like that back in the day we were we everything was virtual because we couldn't get together um you might see one of these messages and the message 
um, would usually will link to the How Right Now website, which you can go to www.howrightnow.org or in Spanish, www.kacerahora.org, which is Q-U-E-H-E-C-E-R-A-H-O-R-A. <laughs> um, these all actually live over now at the cdc.gov website, but those are the short URLs you can use to get there. And when you come to the website, we ask you one simple question, and that is, how are you feeling today? And it really is this attempt to normalize this idea that it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to also be self-reflective about what you are experiencing and what emotions you're going through. I think people have had a range of those over the course of the pandemic. Um, and when you click on any of those emotions, you come to a curated set of resources. Um, and those link out, these are evidence-based resources. We have vetted them. We had a panel of um, uh, clinical psychologists that worked with us on all of our content and all of our resources as we as we build how right now. Um, and on each of those emotion page uh, pages is also a, an emotion one pager, which describes that emotion and what you are going through when you feel grief or loneliness or fear. Um, and again, all of those exist in English and in Spanish. So the hope is that you are seeing a message from a trusted voice. Um, being prompted to visit a website that can then give you more supports for the things that you're going through in that moment. Um, and, and really trying to provide actionable, low cost, low barrier to entry supports to people um, in this way. I've done a couple of bits of work over the last two or three years with um, somebody called Professor Daniel Freeman, who's a academic in Oxford. Um, and he's worked a lot on vaccine hesitancy, and he's shown that, you know, as we know, the pandemic has had a bigger impact on people who are already experiencing health inequalities and discrimination, who already um, have many more barriers to accessing health systems and mental health services. But those are also the people who are more likely to feel hesitancy and mistrust of services. Um, so I'm really interested in how the social media influence a part of this work tries to address that. Is that kind of how you're presenting the trusted individuals for people to relate more and to yeah connect more with the campaign? Yeah, so you know, I think there's two answers to your question. The first sort of broader answer is that the work my work with social media influencers is is broader than how right now. Um, I've actually been working with what we now call social media influencers um, for uh, almost, you know, about 15 plus years now. Um, we didn't call them influencers back in the day. Um, you know, when I was first working in this space, we called it organic marketing, or we called it, uh, uh, you know, we referred to to um, some of these influencers as mommy vloggers was a common term. Um, and, uh, and so I, I, you know, I've been working with them as a communications channel um, for, for many, many years. Um, and then I would say, uh, because I had been working so closely with them, I was really intrigued um, to better understand their role as opinion leaders. And so ended up doing my dissertation research um, on that topic um, and uh, subsequently um, running a number of studies uh, looking at their effectiveness in prompting um, 
some level of behavior change or sort of an intention for behavior change. And so I have a number of studies that I'm working on um, focused on um, on examining uh, how exposure to influencer messaging um, can really uh, positively affect um, concerns around different vaccines. I've done work around the COVID vaccines. I've also done work around um, HPV vaccine um, and and some others. Uh, in relation to how right now, though, yes, influencers are part of the trusted voices uh, dissemination approach. Um, we first and foremost worked with uh, lots of different organizational partners and local community-based organizations. And so groups like um, the National Latino Behavioral Health Association, they were one of the groups that was that has been part of how right now since the very beginning um, and have, you know, has been very uh, instrumental in uh, contributing to the development of the campaign and its messaging, um, and also how to best reach um, the communities that that organization serves. Um, we also leveraged uh, radio, for instance. We actually did leverage radio. We we did a little uh, radio buy over the holidays of 2020, um, and again just recently uh, this past spring, um, in particular to reach Spanish-speaking. Um, communities. Um, we know radio is very powerful in terms of um, a dissemination channel for Spanish-speaking communities, and, and it was quite effective in actually um, increasing visits to our Spanish-language website. Um, and uh, But in addition, yes, we have leveraged social media influencers and celebrities. We've actually worked with both um, to help uh, get these messages um, into other places and reach other people who may not otherwise have seen these messages. And so um, we ran several different activations over the course of 2020 and 2021 and into this year even, um, working with a mix of influencers uh, who um, shared those messages, shared the How Right Now messages and um, helped drive um, visibility of the campaign's messages and traffic to the website. Um, in addition, we've um, been able to engage, uh, again, pro bono celebrities like um, Lance Bass, Melissa Joan Hart, uh, um, Chris Jenner has come out in support of How Right Now. Um, Omari Hardwick has also supported How Right Now. Uh, we just have really had such amazing celebrity voices um, uh, step up to support the mental health needs of people and really helping try to amplify, you know, what's available to help people through this time. Because it's all about trust, isn't it? If you trust the individual who's communicating to you, then you trust the message. So how much does the message have to be adapted into different voices and different styles for that trust to remain? So it's not just, you know, the, the celebrity as a mouthpiece for your words. You know, I think that there's a lot of research on on trusted voices and and where and how they are effective, right? So celebrities can be effective they don't necessarily always affect long-term change, but they can be very effective in driving awareness, which is critical, right? So making sure that people know that resources are available to them in a pandemic where your access to information is limited in some cases because you're not going out, you're not having those normal kind of interactions. But in addition, when you're talking about anything related to digital divide, 
you know, you may not know that certain things are, are available to you. You may have like a, a more limited um, uh, experience of what is available to you. And so trying to find uh, places where we both were able to amplify awareness through certain voices, um, but drive access through other more trusted, more closely uh, aligned um, voices. I think it's key. You need both. Um, that said, there's a lot of uh, research in the opinion leadership uh, space. Um, you know, there tends to be similarities between opinion leaders and the communities that they serve. They tend to be from similar communities, spend a lot of time, have similar interests. So there are, there are attributes that I think contribute to that trust between opinion leaders and their communities. Um, and so I think it's, uh, you know, certainly important to really be thoughtful about who you want to serve and then who are the voices and, and, and the, the organizations or the channels that are, are most closely aligned with them. Thinking back to the beginning of the pandemic and it's easy to forget, you know, <laughs> what happened, but, you know, you had a president who was saying, you know, maybe it's a good idea to drink bleach, you know, maybe it is. Um, so there's this kind of avalanche of, you know, misinformation and fake news. And isn't this just a kind of drop in the ocean? You know, this kind of sensible, evidence-based, trusted kind of campaign you're talking about. How did you cope with that? Um, just, you know, personally, mentally, because it's that's a really hard thing to be fighting against. It becomes even more imperative that we are there, right? So yes, there is a lot of wrong, inaccurate information out there. Um, not being present is not the answer, right? Not presenting the factual evidence-based information is not the answer. Um, that said, I think we have to be really thoughtful about messengers. And I think this kind of aligns with your, your prior question. Um, so for instance, in our year one evaluation on how right now, we actually found that celebrities and influencers overall didn't rank very high in trust. But amongst African-American, Black, and Hispanic, Latino communities, respondents in our survey, they actually were the highest, um, most trustworthy uh, sources. And so we we really are in an age of um, micro-targeting. And we aren't, people are not a monolith. I know that's a statement we've heard in a, in a one million places. Um, but one strategy, one message, one voice is not going to cut it anymore. And I think that's in part because the nature of our communication system is, or uh, communications environment is very fragmented. Um, and we are living in a world of a lot of tailored content and we can receive the things that we like and we don't need to see the things we don't like. And, you know, all of these things end up reinforcing our, our beliefs. And so there's a lot of that going on. Um, but it makes it ever that much more important for us to partner with people who do reach those communities. As public health professionals, as health communicators, as government, as federal agencies, um, as any kind of institution where trust may be low and is really low in the United States, um, we may not be the right voice. And so we need to be very aware of where our influence ends and where we can build partnerships with people where and their influence starts. And I think that um, 
making sure that uh, we partner with those right people and channels and entities is going to be the only way that we can um, get our messages into communities in a trustworthy manner through voices that are trusted. And therefore, we can start to um, at least balance out some of the misinformation that is um, that is out there that people are, are you know, being exposed to and having to sort of make that judgment call as to what's accurate and what's not. I'm interested in your thoughts on the power dynamics of that partnership work, because obviously there's a there's a big issue if you're presenting yourselves as the kind of public health evidence people with the right message, uh, looking for partners in the community to help you connect with the audience that they they have. You know, you've got our audience, send them our message, we'll all be good. But obviously it doesn't work like that, does it? Because you need to work in partnership from the start to make sure that the thing that you develop is answering the questions that their community have. So how do you co-produce with those groups in a way which is meaningful? And how do you how do you address these kind of power dynamics? Well, I think the first thing that you're getting at is it's relationship building. I mean, these are not the time to build partnerships is not when there is a crisis. It is well in advance of of something happening where that partnership becomes valuable, right? That partnership is always valuable. And um and I think how right now is actually a fantastic example of co-creation. We were very much uh working in tandem with our partners. We held regular meetings. We asked for feedback. They were again were part of sort of this larger formative research process that that um we uh we conducted. Um, but we, you know, even the name how right now we tested that with partners and and we actually tested the color palette with partners. Um, our original color palette was darker. And they said it needs to be brighter. Um, we tested a couple of names and we landed on how right now because the partner feedback was how we can take steps to cope right now in the moment. And, and so actionable and time oriented were sort of the big kind of key things that we heard were needed. There is a power dynamic. I think that one of the things we saw in the early days of the pandemic was when, when budgets got super tight before the money came out, one of the first places that were cut were promotoris or community health workers. They are the front lines of, of response and communication and trust with communities. And, and we are just starting to have these conversations as we sort of are emerging from, you know, this, this past phase of the pandemic into the current phase of the pandemic um, around how they really are part of the public health system. And they are public health frontline workers, and they just traditionally haven't been treated as such. And yet they are so critical to the dissemination and uptake of evidence-based health information and they really need to be part of that conversation from the get-go. So one is who are the people that need to be at the table and diversifying those voices? And that's that table needs to exist well before a crisis strikes. Mm-hmm.